I don't view my divorce as a failure. I think a 12-year relationship where most like 11 of the 12 years were very happy. That is a huge success. Most people don't even get that once in their lives. And I've had that beginning to end. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing. Hi friends, I'm Jillian, the host of Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up. Between landing your dream job, crushing your love life, learning to invest, mastering your mindset, and figuring out how to be happy along the way, there's a lot to navigate. I've learned firsthand that there's more than one way to adult and it's not always linear. So consider this show my love letter to taking the unconventional route, creating new milestones, and carving out your own version of success. You're right where you should be. So join me every week as I call in the experts for unfiltered, game-changing advice on how we can all live our best lives. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi guys. I hope you are having a wonderful week. I just got to LA on the weekend and I'm here for the month and the seasonal depression is already leaving my body. So I'm honestly feeling pretty freaking good this week. It is good to be back and to see some sunshine. And I've been thinking a lot lately about how when we make big decisions like embarking on a career path or getting married, it can feel like we're stuck in that, like we're trapped in it. And once you commit to it, you shouldn't change your mind. And I think that's why for a lot of like my, my peers, my generation, career moves and relationships can feel really paralyzing because I think we've been led to believe that they have to be permanent, even if they don't end up being what we want. And I'm really starting to realize how little we know about the future and and what we're going to want in the future and how it's all going to pan out. And that all we can actually do is make the best decisions we can in the immediate moment. And then if something changes, if we feel differently down the road, we can make another choice. We can pivot and we don't have to stay stuck in that original choice. And I know that feels really scary, especially when we're trying to keep up with these societal norms that are placed on us to have big high-earning corporate careers and the marriage, house, baby trajectory that, you know, seems to be the norm. But that formula isn't a reality for so many of us. I know it's it doesn't feel true for me. And if it's not working for you, then fuck it. You don't need to subscribe to it. I've had the most simple quote from Brene Brown on repeat in my mind as my mantra pretty much since I heard it. And it it kept coming up for me during this episode today courage over comfort. We don't have to sacrifice the incredible life that we want to stay in the zone of safety and comfort in ultimately settling. But how do we actually take these leaps into the unknown? And how do we know when it's time to follow our intuition and to leave the life that we've built and to choose something different, even if it's scary and when nothing is guaranteed and when we don't know what's on the other side of all of that? So I'm joined today by Alessia Scazzillo, who shares so vulnerably about how she navigated divorce, a huge career shift, and a really big loss, all by her early 30s and all by choosing the courageous choice. And honestly, it's all way easier said than done. And I don't know if anyone even is an expert on this, but Alessia has lived this as her truth. So I called her in to help us out today. Alessia is the founder of A Sculpt Body, an online fitness platform and community of thousands of women which aims to incorporate low-impact movement into everyday life. Alessia left the finance world after a decade of working up to vice president in corporate banking at RBC. 
After falling in love with fitness, she quit her job to create her fitness company and to build a community across her popular social platforms. She's hosted over 20 sold-out events with over 1,000 women at top venues across Toronto, NYC, and Miami. She's regularly featured in the media like Breakfast Television, podcasts like We Met at Acme, and publications like Business Insider as an expert in balanced wellness, navigating relationships, and creating your entrepreneurial dreams. Teach us how to pivot in our relationships and our careers, Alessia. Alessia, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to chat with you because you've had such an interesting story and an interesting journey in the past few years, and it really reflects the direction that we've been going in season three on this podcast, which is the non-linear route of adulting. The, you know, not everything is going to be A, B, C, D, and it's okay to change your mind and to do something different. And you're such a, a wonderful embodiment of that. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Amazing. I would love to start talking about your divorce because I think especially when we are in our 30s, this is such a a scary thing, a breakup at this point. It feels, I think a lot of people just like grin and bear it and keep going and, you know, feel that they should make it work and maybe sacrifice a lifetime of happiness or the life that they could want because they feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And yeah, I think it's really brave to choose something different if that's what's right for you. I'd love to know a bit more about what that kind of conscious uncoupling process has been like for you and what you've really learned going through divorce. Yeah, it really was that. Um, it was a conscious uncoupling, which sounds really cheesy. Gwyneth Paltrow coined that I know. <laughs> yeah, Chris Hamilton years ago. And I only realized kind of after someone had said that to me, they're like, oh, it seems like a conscious uncoupling. I was like, I think you're right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, So I do like that term. So I was married for four years and together with my ex for 12 years total. So we met when we were 19, 20, and we were on the path of life together. We got engaged, got married, bought a house, and we're just like on that very traditional typical path. But I would say there got a point in the relationship where we were no longer on the same path in life. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really, really hard for the final year to make the decision, do we stay together and essentially commit to each other and like have a family and like really go for it? Or do we go separate ways? I know Mm -hmm. I felt very ashamed and judged myself really hard for feeling stuck in a situation that like on paper was everything. Mm. No one else around me was like going through this. Like we were kind of the first to get married. And so then the first to separate and divorce. I knew that I was going to have to let go of something good, good in so many ways for the possibility of something like amazing in my future. And the the process of making that decision, it was so hard. I felt so stuck for so long. And I felt a lot of anxiety. And I was in like a depressive episode. And now I know that those two are linked, like stuckness, people that are feeling stuck, like that brings about those feelings of anxiety and depression. I didn't really understand that at the time. I was like, nothing I'm doing is lifting this cloud. Like I don't understand. And now I can see that it was that stuckness. If you boil it down, it was really like, I'm very open to life. So my instinct to things about, you know, career, about location, about Mm -hmm. adventures is yes. And his instinct 
was no. Like he liked his routine. He liked his stuff. He liked his thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just was not a match for our future. And so we finally made the decision to go separate ways. And that was so, so, so hard. But I can now look back and see all the things that have happened in my life since then and be so grateful for it. Like I, I, I can't imagine not having gone that route. So trusting myself, trusting my instinct, even though my head had for a very long time tried to tell me not to go for it. Hmm. It's hard no matter what, but I think when there's like nothing big that's happened, there's nothing terribly wrong. There's still so much love. It's so amicable. Like that is a different kind of pain. I've, I had the, the same experience, but having to end a long relationship because I wanted a family and they didn't. And, you know, it just got to that point where the friction of like, we want different futures mm-hmm. was taking over. And it was so, it still is so hard to walk away from something that's wonderful with someone that you love yeah. so much, but yeah. it's also so painful to stay in something and know that you won't get to build the future that you want with them. So sometimes yeah. it's, it's, it's truly inevitable. Do you, do you guys think that you started more, similarly like wanting to build the same future and that you just grew apart and evolved and and it seems like you've changed a lot you know in terms of what you want and the way that you see the world like how do you think this kind of division happened well I think fundamentally we were always those people but for the first probably half of our relationship we were both working in the finance world and so we're in the same confines of like what our life could look like we were both working you know our our corporate jobs, seeing our friends on weekends and going a couple trips a year, just, you know, that kind of life. Yeah. And then my life shifted a lot and he was very supportive of this. So I used to work in finance for almost a decade. I left and started my own fitness business. And then that morphed into also being a content creator. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been doing full-time content creation and running my fitness business now for like four years or three, four years or so. Now my life, it, it opened up. Like I have the flexibility with my career to create the life that I want, to live mm-hmm. where I want, to do the, to structure my days the way I want, to do the things that I want to do, to be with the people I want to be with. And I'm not working in those confines anymore. And so yeah. I've been able to really come to my like authentic self of like, well, what do I want my life to look like? Well, I figured it out mostly career wise. And then there's all these other areas. And, and so I just started to want more and mm-hmm. and but he was still in the same confines of the previous like kind of life and career that we had I mean that's very normal like mm-hmm. it's very normal to meet when you're 19 20 years old when your life looks one way and for it to no longer work yeah 10 12 years later like 12 years is a beautiful amount of time for a full and complete love story and so I think about it like that and I'm like I'm okay with this like mm-hmm. on to the next and what I've learned even though I didn't realize that this is this at the time is like, there's always someone else. There's always someone new. It's going to be okay. Like, I think when you're leaving, it feels like you're going to, you know, people get very scared and it yeah. feels like you're going to be alone forever, <laughs> but there's always going to be someone if you want them. So don't yeah. stress about that. Like take that stress off the table and focus on yourself. Oh, that's so true. That's beautiful. And I do think like there's so many people that we can love throughout our lives and Often it just comes down to circumstance and are we in the right circumstance together at this time? And when you are, you can make the relationship work. And when you're not, you know, there will be someone else that you can make it work with. I also, Mm -hmm. like I'm such a 
hopeless romantic and believe in marriage and all of these things. But I've really started to feel in the past few years that as much as I do want marriage and some of those like traditional milestones, I don't want to be attached to the idea of a marriage has to last forever. Otherwise, it's mm-hmm. a fail. I really yeah. oh, am no. moving away from that idea of thinking and also kind of realizing that like people used to live till they were 50 or 60, you know, like right. marriage used to be maybe 20 years, 30 years. And now we're expecting someone to meet all of our needs and grow and evolve with us over the course of 60 years. That is wild. And if it works, that is beautiful. But there's also another reality in which we have relationships that work for different seasons of our lives. And the person that was great for you in your 20s and 30s might not be the right one for your 40s and 50s. And so letting go of that idea that like forever means success as opposed to happiness and like love and fulfillment and support. That's what success is for however long it lasts. 100%. I don't view my divorce as a failure. I think a 12-year relationship where most, like 11 of the 12 years were very happy. That's a, Mm -hmm. and the last one was really hard trying to make the decision, but still had so many happy moments. Like that is a huge success. Most people don't even get that once in their lives. And Mm -hmm. I've had that beginning to end. And I think that that's like just such a beautiful thing. And I really don't believe in staying in something in any sort of situation because you're scared to leave. Like I'm all about doing the brave thing. So if the brave thing is staying, then that's one thing. But if the brave thing is like following your heart and leaving, whether it's a relationship or a job or a friendship or whatever, then like that's where I lean toward like the brave expansive thing that's going to like open up your life. And I know it's so scary. People stay in things forever because they're scared. But like now looking back and the happiness I felt since that relationship ended, it's like I could not imagine not having ended it. I think a lot of the times too, like women leave these relationships and then they're like, you know, he was a loser and I was Mm. settling before and and I'm not that. I don't hate my ex and I don't hate men. I just think like it was time for us to part ways. And I think that's really important. I'm seeing a lot of that sort of perspective on social and I just don't agree with it. I'm a like lover, lover girl, and I believe in love and and partnership and commitment and all these things. And it may just not be forever, but I don't regret anything of the past. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. There is this I don't know. I think people are pretending that it's empowerment, but this whole villainization of anyone that mm. it, the relationship didn't work out with, it's really unfortunate. It takes away all of the nuance of especially situations like this. And I think where it comes from is a lot of breakups usually happen because of a big wrongdoing because otherwise yeah, most right. people probably don't have like the courage or the awareness to leave amicably for something better so for people like the only thing that makes them leave is a betrayal a secret lies you know things like that so it becomes very normal for us to see oh they broke up one of them must have fucked up one of them must have been you know not great to the other I feel there's so much room for still having beautiful relationships with our exes I am best friends with my ex and I think a lot of people are I think it irks them. They're like, this isn't healthy. You shouldn't be talking. Everyone has these rules. All these relationship experts have their rules. And I get it. If you want to get over someone, you can't keep seeing them every day as I did. However, I still think we can't just erase them from our lives if there's still love and friendship there. And if it was built on a wonderful foundation of like, you still care about each other. You can't just erase them. And just to your point, 
um, about everyone assuming something happened. When Mm -hmm. I announced my split on social media, I created a video that was basically like, we had this beautiful relationship, but our lives are going in different directions. And, you know, I'm going here, he's going there and we're no longer together, but it's okay. Like, you know, that sort of thing. And I expected this video, I just shared this video for my community because I wanted to give them an update and I, it had already been four or five months and I had it. And I, I didn't want to keep it brief. I actually thought it would be a missed opportunity to show people that it's empowering to choose yourself, even if what you had was great. And it's so funny because uh, it ended up going very viral. All, so many comments, especially men, were like, oh, he, he fucked a younger girl. He cheated on you. He left you for... Yeah. Or like, no. you, you're going to be, you're going to die alone with cats and like, you're going to all this stuff. And it's like, it's such a foreign concept that you just don't work out with your partner and you're both mature and you both move on and that's it. But like, it's such a foreign concept to so many people. There was like yeah. thousands and thousands of messages of comments that were like, yeah, he cheated on you. You're going to die alone sort of vibes. And I think those men that were commenting that are also very threatened by the idea that yeah. we're now entering a world in which women can choose to not need a relationship yeah. in order to be happy because yeah. obviously previously yeah. for like financial and societal reasons we had to. And now that we don't and can just choose like something bad doesn't need to happen. I can just have a better life and I don't need anyone to create that with. I think that's so threatening to so many people who haven't done any work. A hundred percent. And on top of that, that someone can be a good person and a good job and all this, but maybe they're just not evolved enough or growth oriented enough to be a match for me. But I think when men see that, a woman made this choice, despite the fact that the man is, you know, quotes on paper, a good guy. Like, Mm -hmm. I think they definitely feel threatened by that too. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. I want to talk about how you know when it's time to leave, because I think that's such a hard thing. You could have all of these feelings bubbling, but then it might be like, how, how long do I kind of marinate in this before pulling the trigger? Or is this just a phase I'm going through? Or am I just unhappy right now? Give it some time. And this pertains to yeah. both your your work. Like you switched, had a huge industry shift and your relationship. Yeah. But let's start with the relationship. How did you really know? Was there a breaking point? Was it building? How can people out there know when it's time to leave something? I think that's like the biggest question of like life. <laughs> Uh, like how to know when to let go is literally one of the top three questions. Like I'll spend my whole life trying to figure out. Um, mm. Well, I think a few things. One, it took me a really long time. Like it took me a full year of like marinating in these feelings. Two, if you're not ready, you're just not ready. I think a lot of people are like, well, I should, but I'm not ready. It's like, okay, well, that's okay. If you're not ready, it's not today. My therapist would tell me that all the time. It's it's not today. It could be tomorrow. It could be a week. It could be a month. But it is not today. And so you can just continue your life, like yeah. go to sleep tonight and you're good. And I think that's a reassuring feeling. Like when it's time, you'll go. Yeah. But I think you need to trust. And that, well, that's, that's kind of like number three, which is when it's time, like you will know and it will happen exactly as it's supposed to. So leaning into this, into this trusting of the mm. timing of life, that when the, when it's the day that you cannot stay there one more day, like you will wake up and you will absolutely know. And, and you might question yourself um, quite a bit. I know I did. I think it's about leaning into our intuitions, into our gut, not believing our mind 
when it's like going into this like fear cycle and these fear thoughts of what's going to happen. Am I going to be, am I going to be okay? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Like all that is logistics and that can all be figured out. Yeah. And so it's more about leaning into your gut and your intuition and then letting it tell you when it's time. But I do think to do that, um, you need to get still enough one. So making calm, quiet time in your day for your intuition and your heart to come through and to tell you what's feeling right. And two, you need to get the right support around you so that when, as you're making the decision and when you do, you have people rallying around you to like help float, like flow you through that, mm. whether that's therapy or your family, your friends, finances, like yeah. I thought, you know, that was something I had been sort of in my mind for a while where I, I was contemplating this. And as soon as I you know, a little bit into starting to contemplate it, I started to think about, okay, well, what do my savings look like? Like, what am I going to do when I'm on my own? So kind of setting yourself up and then creating that space to like, let that intuition come through. And I really believe like, if you do those things, like, it's more about the process. And that applies to uh, breakup. I think it also applies to quitting your job. Like when I quit my finance job, like, I feel like I, it's like a lot of the same advice. It was like, get myself ready financially, make all these plans with my business, you know, really feel into what do I actually want to do. And I came to the conclusion that if I didn't do, if I didn't quit my job and start this business, then I would regret it. Mm. And I think kind of, kind of same conclusion with my divorce. If I didn't live a single life, if I didn't date, if I didn't like explore life on my own, I think I would regret it. So there's a lot of parallels. What were you feeling before you left your job? I was unhappy for a while. So I make decisions like this. It takes me a very long time. I'm really unhappy. And then there's a breaking point. And then I just make the decision. And then there's no going back. But it takes Mm -hmm. me a long time to get there. So same thing with finance. I was working both jobs at the same time for two years. Um, Like my fitness, uh, wellness, like influencer career at the same time as my finance job for two years. Um, And it was extremely stressful. It was like corporate banking, like kind of typical finance when you think about it, like really stressful deals. But I was like physically sick, acne, losing my hair, all this stuff, coming home crying from work all the time because I had this really toxic boss and I took it and I took it and I took it. And then there was a point where I was like, no, like I'm done. Okay. So now how am I going to like really actually quit? And I got into the logistical element of Mm. planning that. These few things that I always come back to of like doing the brave, expansive thing. Courage over comfort. Yeah, totally. Leaving something good for the possibility of something great. Like these quotes that I've heard that I've actually like applied and it's really tough, but it's so, so, so worth it. Mm. I love the kind of approach that you've shared of how it's important to be attuned to yourself and be like mindful of what you're feeling and be open to listening, you know, to, to what's coming through you. But then also coupling that with the practical setup that allows you to make the choice because I think the number one thing I see amongst people who are choosing comfort over courage and who are kind of settling in their lives is excuses. So if you remove all of the excuses, oh, what what will I do for money? Oh, like you can't live in this day and age on a single income, you know, like you need a dual income and every single excuse that you can build for yourself. What if I fail? I don't have a track record of this. Dating these days is terrible. Like all of these things, if you do the work, in advance and you don't even need to use it. You know, you're just setting yourself up like these guardrails that show yourself, I am financially sound. I have done some networking. I have talked to people who are doing what I want to do. I have talked to my friends about what dating is like and know that there are options out there. There is hope. 
when you do all of these steps, yeah. it removes every excuse one by one. And then you're left with, okay, so what does my heart actually want now that all of the excuses are gone? 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. Remove those barriers and then you can really tune in and actually do the thing you want to do. Can we go to back to the dating thing for a second? Yeah. I think that's really important. I think there's this fear that there are no good men out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. it's this fear that women have been living with. Like if you watch Sex in the City, like it's such a thing on Sex in the City that like, where are the good men in New York? Like yeah. where are the, you know? And yeah. it's just like, that was filmed in the 90s. It's like in every city, in Toronto, New York, in LA and Miami, in every city and in every timeline, there's always this like ongoing fear of like there are no good men and there's so so many amazing single women, etc. That's true. I'm hearing that narrative a lot, even here. Like I'm in LA right all, now, yeah. and all my friends here are single, and they're like, "Good luck dating in LA." Like all the men are yeah. fucked, and I'm like, "This can't yeah. be true." Exactly, it can't be true. I and I've dated in a bunch of cities. I haven't dated in LA, but I've dated in Toronto, and New York, and Miami. And I can tell you that in every place, there are great guys. And then there are not so great guys. There's Mm -hmm. both. Like, Mm -hmm. and there's, it's a weird, because in Toronto, everyone's like, there's no good guys in Toronto. I'm going to fly to Miami. It's like, well, I've dated in Miami and there's also not good guys. So you can't, you can't think like that. Like you kind of have to commit to where do you want to build a life and put yourself out there and put out the kind of vibes that you also want to receive. So this is something I'm going to talk a little bit more about, but how I've dated more intentionally this time around after my divorce, I went wild. I dated everywhere. I was like fucking around all kinds. Yeah. The best time, time yeah. of my life. Honestly. Getting time it. Of my life. <laughs> I was getting it. And, <laughs> and I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And, but that, and that's what you needed. Men, I needed it. I needed it. And it showed me almost right away. I saw that there were great men. Like they mm. just weren't my guys forever. Yeah. Um, they weren't like my, you know, next husbands, but they were wonderful and they're going to be wonderful for someone, mm-hmm. uh, many of them. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, but I think you also have to put out the vibes of what you want to receive. So if you're feeling insecure, if you're, you're going to attract an insecure person who's maybe not going to treat you right. Like insecurity comes out in so many ways, self-sabotage, like a, there's abandonment issues. There's all these things that like emotional, emotional unavailability. So that's just not going to work. I think we, as women need to focus on ourselves and becoming the kind of person that we want to attract. And then we will be attracting those people in dating and dating just like more mindfully and more intentionally, like not having a five man roster, but like, if you like someone committing to them and giving them your time and energy, really pouring into it and not being afraid of that. And if it falls apart, it falls apart, but at least you tried and and gave, you know, your energy to someone who was like more worth it. So I dated a bunch, as I said before, then I had a boyfriend for a little bit last summer who turned out to be quite toxic and manipulative. And I ended that. And then I got back into dating. And that second time was so much more intentional with a like a loving approach not a fear-based approach that's a huge shift that's a really even if it's even if it's just like the shift from like fuck boys to like intentional partners or I've felt in my past the shift that happens when I come from like desperation when I come from I just need a partner I've been alone for so long like I can't be so picky I just need someone and then settling for terribly toxic relationship and then moving out of that into a I don't need anyone but me. And the most Mm -hmm. important thing I can do is be my best, happiest self. And then I will attract someone who is on that level. And I have seen that difference in that shift. And I will never date from a desperate place again. 
1000%. I think that requires though a lot of trust in yourself, in the universe, in the timing of things and patience too. And I Mm -hmm. think we could all collectively focus more on that. I love that. I want to drill down a bit more on what you were saying earlier about intuition, because I think from everything I know of your story, you are so like attuned to your intuition and your gut. And I think that so many of us have kind of been like raised and trained to numb out that inner voice in favor of doing what we're supposed to do and the conventional route. And so I think even when people have these gut feelings, they suppress them. So how have you gotten really good at listening to and trusting your instincts? You mentioned stillness. Are there any other kind of practices that you have around that? Thank you for saying that. I I have gotten much better at it, almost good at it, but it's still something I fight all, all the time. And I actually have to really focus on because everyone has lived a very traditional path and I've gone outside that mm-hmm. quite a bit, right? Work, relationships, et cetera. Um, but so I, I still have to fight that feeling of not just like going, doing what everyone else is doing and not necessarily listening to people who don't have the kind of lives that I want to have. Like if I want relationship advice, like I probably shouldn't talk to my married friend for eight years or like work advice. I probably shouldn't talk to someone who stayed in the corporate world for, you know, this whole time. But I I just want to point out that I don't find it easy to do that. But then it's almost like when I, when it really comes down to it, I can't not listen to myself and how I get clear on it and how I really tune into my gut and intuition is through mostly stillness. So like every morning I drink my coffee and have my water really quiet. I read a daily book, two books, actually a passage from these like two books that have, Mm. um, they're just like one pagers. And then I meditate. I do these superhuman meditations every morning. They're only like 10 minutes and they're Mm -hmm. more about tuning into your future self. And I find that very Mm -hmm. helpful when I'm trying to especially make decisions. Like what would my future self want or be grateful that I did now? So, you know, does she, where does she live? Where does she, how does she feel? What kind of relationship is she in? And I can really like get clear on that. And then I'm like, okay, what am I going to do about that now? Visualization is so powerful. I think for people who don't resonate with meditating because clearing the mind can be so hard, but I love visualization meditations and it's almost like a form of manifesting and like exactly what you explained. That's such a beautiful exercise to do. And then to like work back and being like, am I living in alignment you know, this is, yeah. I also love superhuman because it's more active. Like you don't necessarily yes. need to sit in stillness. You can be walking no. and you can be like getting yep. ready. Cleaning or whatever. Yeah. 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 Totally. But I think sometimes it's hard to know what the right decision is right now because you're emotion. you're so emotional and you're invested in it. Yeah. But I find when I look at what I want for my future self, it's easier to work backward and then know what I want, what I should be doing now. So for example, the toxic relationship um, that I was in last summer, it was very hard for me to end that and let go. I knew things were really wrong for about a month. Finally, when I did it, like I remember thinking my future self, my married with children future self is not going to be married to this guy with this guy as my children's father. Yeah. No, there's (laughs) no world in which this is true. I was like, absolutely not. So that means I have to end it which is a kind of flipping of the script that I think maybe could be helpful to people. But anyways, in the morning, the stillness, uh, while I drink my coffee, the books, the meditation or visualization, and then I, I work out every single day. Sometimes I'm so in my mind that I can't 
even collect my thoughts and how I get out of that is I get into my body. I do my low impact sculpt strength workouts a lot of the time, or I go and do like a Pilates, usually reformer Pilates class outside my house. And I find just like moving my body when I come out, I feel so much clearer. It really helps in decision making. Yeah, I know a lot of people do struggle with like the stillness and the silence most people I know when they move their bodies, they get a bit of clarity and they get out of their yes. heads a bit. Yeah. And making sure it's it's workouts that feel really good on the body. So when you're done, you feel energized and you feel clarity. Mm. Um, and that's as opposed to workouts that exhaust you. Because I think if you're exhausting your body, you're not necessarily being able to see more clearly the thoughts that are happening in your mind um, or yeah. what's in your intuition either. So my workouts are all low impact. They're super effective, but they're still gentle on the body. And I've got like 10, 20, 30, 40 minute ones all on my website. It's at at aceballbody.com. They're like Pilates inspired kind of workouts that just feel really good. And and you wrap up feeling like energized and clear and happy and healthy and not like drained. A hundred percent. Yeah. I've gotten really into Pilates in the past two years just because the slow pace of it feels meditative for me. And yet I'm so focused on those slow burn counts and it just, it feels so good. I don't walk away with like spiked cortisol and like stress and like crazy heart rate. I'm just like, I just worked out. The endorphins are going, I feel great. But I also feel like I like was able to really focus on each move without any stress and without any like noise in my head. So it's, there's so much to be said for that. I love that. 100%. I also wanted to know, if your friends and your family supported you during all of these big changes that you made? Because I think that's a really hard and scary part about making these choices that stray from the norm. That's a great question. Yes and no. In my finance to fitness kind of career change, um, most people thought I was batshit crazy. (laughs) The only people... The only person who really supported me was my ex-husband, mm. and I'll always give him credit for that. Uh, super great books. I wouldn't been, have been able to do that without him. And then my father, I, I, well, my my mom passed away when I was 20 years old, so she is not around anymore. I actually don't know whether she would have approved the decision or not mm. or supported the decision, but it doesn't really matter. And my father didn't love it. Obviously, he wants me to be successful and happy, but came to an acceptance point of like, okay, if this was what makes you happy, then like I support you kind of thing. Yeah. Everyone else thought I was batshit crazy. And then when it came to the divorce, I was very alone. I was very alone in it. My family was not really around, which was really hard. I I really actually had to lean on my friends. That was like a new thing because I had leaned on my ex-husband for so many years because we were like partners that it was like a big shift for me to really rely on my friends. But then once I started opening up to them, they, I did feel very supported um, Mm -hmm. and very loved and, and like guided through that whole process. I think it's helpful to have people support you and to have your community rally around you. I also think you can do it without anyone. I think it's a very empowering thing because I was, I was an extensive therapy, uh, individual therapy and group therapy. Mm -hmm. And in one of my group therapy sessions, I remember one of the women, it was for other people going through divorce. And one of the women was like, I don't have anyone, like I'm completely alone. And I remember saying during that session, like that is so empowering. Think about how in 10 years, you're going to look back at this and be like, I did that. Like I Mm -hmm. made this life for myself on my own. And so if you too have no one, like whether, whatever kind of change you're going through, know that like, that's actually I actually think like it could be such a cool, amazing, empowering thing that you do. Mm, Yeah, that's true. 
I feel so conflicted on this because I think for years I had this whole like lone wolf thing of I have to do it on my own. I have to do everything on my own. Buying a home, did it on my own without really any help or anyone being like, yes, this is a good decision. You should do this. Quitting corporate and starting becoming an entrepreneur, starting the podcast, all of these things. I've never been surrounded by people who are doing things that I'm doing. And so it has felt very isolating. And I think that there Mm -hmm. is an empowerment to that that makes me feel good. Like I was able to be independent and do all of this on my own. But I'm also starting to realize, I think, how important it is to surround yourself with people who, even if they're not doing the same things, are supportive of you doing them. And I'm seeking more of that in my life now for the first time and realizing like all all the shit they say, like you are who you surround yourself with and all of those things. Like it is really important. Because if I am with people and always around people that are settling in their lives, that think that anyone who doesn't work in corporate is like, you know, crazy or like isn't really working or what are they actually doing? That's not the energy that's going to help propel me. And I think I just need to really create environments and networks of people who are willing to make those brave choices, who are like, yes, it's great that you are you know, staying single until you really find someone that is like the person you want to like build your life with and not just being like, you better settle down quick because like the clock is ticking. And I'm just so ready to find people who were like, there's abundance. There's so much ahead of you. Like you don't ever need to settle. And like, we're in this with you. So community is really important. And I think that's something I want more of. Yeah. I am very grateful. I have a group that is really aligned on this path and you saying all this has sort of has sort of like reminded me like I have a few women who are entrepreneurs who are not just having kids because they're in their 30s like they've either chosen not to have kids at all or they're waiting they're all on their own path and Mm -hmm. their own journey and they've actually been ones that have encouraged me in every stage having this group is so inspiring and so like eye-opening of like there is not one way to live life where in Toronto it can often feel that way it people does are, yeah people like they're very in their linear. 20s, they get married they have kids they get by a house and they yeah. they hang out with the same people all the time very linear and like it, that has just not ever resonated with me and I just don't want that kind of life like I want a beautiful expansive like a big life surrounding yourself with people that are like that is really important and if you can't find them then find in person find them on social Mm -hmm. like people who expand expand your view on life like there are some people on social someone said this to me that like some people on social are expanders and that and they classified me as one which I love like where people look at me hopefully and they think oh she's doing that I could do that too yes versus other people who are more constrictors who it's like oh she's doing that oh I could never she's so much better Mm -hmm. you know like finding those expanders for you in person and on social. I love that. And in like the group therapy that you did too, I'm sure that like built in this experience of people who are going through similar things at the same time. Because I think when, when we're going through something scary, it can really help to see a template of like, there's people that are doing this. There's people that are making these decisions. I'm not crazy. This is completely viable. And so it's important. And you're right. If you don't have that in your community, that's the beauty of social media. You talked a bit about your mom and I can't imagine how difficult it must have been to lose her in your, I think it was in your early twenties. And it sounds from what I've heard that, that, that grief really impacted some of the decisions that you made after and maybe like changed your trajectory a bit in how you decided what you wanted for your life. Can you talk a bit more about how that loss did maybe propel some of your, your decisions or help you decide how you wanted to live your life? 
Well, literally the loss actually is how I got into fitness because um, I went to a workout class that was held in her honor to raise money for the hospital she died at. And that is how I started working out when I was 20 years old. Um, And so that then I started loving working out. And then, you know, then I started teaching. It also gave me this like attitude shift of life is short. And I don't want to do things that I, I just don't want to do like, I just don't want to live a le- And I think that's driven. So all my decisions, if I'm not really happy doing this, life is short and I just don't want to be unhappy all the time. And so it has driven my work decisions, my relationship decisions. Like I'm just not going to settle for anything that makes me, that doesn't make me like super happy and fulfilled. And that's not to say I don't give things a really strong chance. You know, I was in my relationship for 12 years and I worked in the finance uh, world for 10 years. So it's like, I give things like a really strong chance. But then once I realized this isn't for me, it's like, what am I doing? What if something happens? And so that it just has really changed my perspective. And if you've never been through significant grief, I think it's really hard to see that. I think that was a big, big uh, difference between my ex and I had never really been through anything difficult. Our divorce was the first hard thing that he had been through. So he did not understand what it's like to be like, to really feel like, well, I want to do this. So I better do it because I don't know how much longer I'm going to be, you know, like it was just a different attitude toward life. You know, I think it was horrible that I lost my mom so soon, but I also think the silver lining is it has given me this like energy for life that Mm. I maybe wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. I think our avoidance of, of like death and our mortality in our society, like hinders us because I think if we embraced the fact that we only have a certain amount of time, the inevitability of it all, I think can really fuel us to not settle in our lives and to prioritize the people Mm -hmm. that we love and to choose a life that we love because you will not be on your deathbed being like, so glad I really gave that finance company 40 years of my life that I hated every day of like, that's, that ain't it. But it's hard. And um, yeah, I mean, it's so painful that anyone has to experience loss, but it's beautiful that you turned it into a -hmm. motivator for the life that you're living. Totally. Thank you. Appreciate that. So our last question that we always ask our guests is what is one thing that you wish you had learned in school? I wish I had learned that school wasn't that important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that they taught in school that like you can chill, you don't need to get because I was like a I was I had a 4.0 GPA. I, I was scholarships. I was like, you know, did really well and I think I wish someone had told me that like it wasn't that important that I could do mediumly well and absorb as much as possible, but that life was going to teach me so much also. Mm, that's really true. Good answer. I haven't gotten that one before. That's very true. Oh, good. Thank you so much, Alessia. This has been such a good conversation. I've taken so much away. I think this is going to inspire a lot of people to to reach. I hope so. Yeah. Please share where everyone can find you, follow you, what you offer, and how they can just engage with your wisdom. Yeah. So I'm at Alessia Sculpt on Instagram and TikTok. um, And I share a lot of different content. Um, I do share some fitness and wellness content, but then I'm all about sharing kind of the highs and lows of life, um, whether that be, mm-hmm. you know, difficult things like body image, relationships. So I'm not just like a straight fitness influencer. I talk a lot about what we talked about today on social. And there's actually lots of lots more of that coming up um, 
soon. So we'll, Ooh, we'll see you there. Little some some updates, yeah, for everyone. And then I have my website, asculptbody.com, which is an online fitness platform with low impact sculpt and strength workouts. And I just recently introduced yoga on there also. So I have a seven day free trial. If anyone's interested, you can just go on my site and the free trial is there for you to uh, give a shot. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I'll link it in the show notes too. So everyone Perfect. can just click below and find it. Perfect. That's amazing. And I will also echo that I love the balance that you share on social media. I think it's Thank you. so refreshing because I think health and, and the health and fitness and wellness world can be extremely rigid sometimes. And it can yeah. really like villainize just some of the some of the shit that we're all doing and want to be doing. And it's totally a breath of fresh air to follow you and see that you are having wonderful indulgent vacation meals and that you are having a drink with your friends and that it doesn't need to be so polarized. Oh, I am. That is my message. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> like in Miami, like, uh, you know, going for dinner and drinks most nights, just like living my life. Um, and then waking up and doing a workout. You can do both. You don't have to pick. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. There you have it, friends. Thanks for listening and make sure you're following along on Instagram at Teach Me How to Adult Media and on TikTok at Teach Me How to Adult. If you like what you heard today, it would mean so much if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. It really helps us grow the show. And if something in this episode really resonated, text it to your friends or screenshot it and share it on social. Wherever you are in your adulting journey, just remember you're not alone. My DMs are always open and I would love to hear from you. So hit me up with any topics or guests that you would like to hear about. See you next time. Bye.